Section 1 of The Sunny Side by A. A. Milne. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kirsten Weber. Dedication, Introduction, and Chapter 1 of The Sunny Side by A. A. Milne. Dedication and Introduction to owen seaman affectionately in memory of nine happy years at the punch office my publisher wants me to apologize for introduce was the kindly word he used this collection of articles and verses from punch i do so with pleasure among the many interests of a long and varied career no i don't think i shall begin like that it was early in eighteen seventy one nor like that really it is very difficult you know i wrote these things for a number of years and well here they are but just to say here they are is to be too informal for my publisher he wants not a casual introduction but a presentation let me tell you a little story instead when war broke out i had published three of these books in england the gleanings of nine years regular work for punch there are i understand a few americans who read punch and it was suggested to me that a suitable collection of articles from these three books might have some sort of american sale so i made such a collection leaving out the more topical and elusive sketches, and including those with a more general appeal. I called the result Happy Days, an attractive title, you will agree, and in 1915 a New York publisher was found for it. The joke lay in one of the few notices which the book received from the press, for a New York critic ended his review of Happy Days with these immortal words. Mr. Milne is at present in the trenches facing the German bullets, so this will probably be his last book. You see now why an apology is necessary. Here we are, seven years later, and I am still at it. But at any rate, it is the last of this sort of book. As I said in a foreword to the English edition, it is the last time, because this sort of writing depends largely upon the irresponsibility and high spirits of youth for its success, and I want to stop before, may I say before, the high spirits become mechanical. Perhaps the fact that this collection is final will excuse its air of scrappiness. Odd verses have crept in on the unanswerable plea that, if they didn't do it now, they never would. War sketches protested that I shouldn't have a book at all if I left them out. An early article, omitted from three previous volumes, paraded for the fourth time with such a pathetic, I suppose you don't want me, in its eye, that it could not decently be rejected. So here they all are. One further word of explanation. You may find the first section of this book, Oranges and Lemons, a little difficult. The characters of it are old friends to that limited public which reads my books in England. Their earlier adventures have been told in those previous volumes, and purposely omitted from happy days as being a little too insular. I feel somehow that strangers will not be on such easy terms with them, and I would recommend that you approach them last. By that time, you will have discovered whether you are in a mood to stop and listen at their chatter, or prefer to pass them by with a nod. A. A. M. End of Dedication and Introduction Chapter 1 Oranges and Lemons 1. The Invitation Dear Myra, wrote Simpson at the beginning of the year, I have an important suggestion to make to you both. 
and I am coming round tomorrow night after dinner, about nine o'clock. As time is so short, I have asked Dahlia and Archie to meet me there, and if by any chance you have gone out, we shall wait till you come back. Yours ever, Samuel. P.S. I have asked Thomas, too. Well, said Myra eagerly, as I gave her back the letter, in deep thought I buttered a piece of toast. We could stop Thomas, I said. We might ring up the Admiralty and ask them to give him something to do this evening. I don't know about Archie. Is he... Oh, what do you think it is? Aren't you excited? She sighed and added, Of course, I know what Samuel is. Yes, probably he wants us all to go to the zoo together, or he's discovered a new way of putting, or... I say, I didn't know Archie and Dahlia were in town. They aren't. But I expect Samuel telegraphed to them to meet him under the clock at Charing Cross, disguised, when they would hear of something to their advantage. Oh, I wonder what it is. It must be something real this time. Since the day when Simpson woke me up at six o'clock in the morning to show me his stance for a full wooden club shot, I have distrusted his enthusiasms. But Myra loves him like a mother. And I, I couldn't do without him. And when a man like that invites a whole crowd of people to come to your flat, just about the time when you are wondering what has happened to the sardines on toast, well, it isn't polite to put the chain on the door and explain through the letter-box that you have gone away for a week. We'd better have dinner a bit earlier to be on the safe side, I said, as Myra gave me a parting brush-down in the hall. If any further developments occur in the course of the day, ring me up at the office. By the way, Simpson doesn't seem to have invited Peter. I wonder why not. He's nearly two, and he ought to be in it. Myra, I'm sure I'm tidy now. Pipe? Tobacco? Matches? Keys? Money? Everything, I said. Bless you. Goodbye. Goodbye, said Myra, lingeringly. What do you think that he meant by, as time is so short? I don't know. At least, I added, looking at my watch, I do know I shall be horribly late. Goodbye. I fled down the stairs into the street, waved to Myra at the window, and then came cautiously up again for my pipe. Life is very difficult on the mornings when you are in a hurry. At dinner that night, Myra could hardly eat for excitement. You'll be sorry afterwards, I warned her, when it turns out to be nothing more than that he has had his hair cut. I don't see why I shouldn't be excited at seeing my only brother again, not to mention sister-in-law. Then let's move, I said. They'll be here directly. Archie and Dahlia came first. We besieged them with questions as soon as they appeared. Haven't an idea, said Archie. I wanted to bring a revolver in case it was anything really desperate, but Dahlia wouldn't let me. It would have been useful, too, I said, if it turned out to be something merely futile. You're not going to hurt my Samuel, however futile it is, said Myra. Dahlia House, Peter. And will you have some coffee? Peter's lovely. You've had coffee, haven't you, Archie? I'd better have some more, I suggested. In case Simpson is merely soporific, we anticipate a slumbering audience, and Samuel explaining a new kind of googly he's invented. Entered Thomas, lazily. Hello, he said in his slow voice. Well, what's it all about? "'It's a raid on the Begum's Palace,' exclaimed Archie rapidly. "'Dahlia decoys the chief mucilage. "'You, Thomas, drive the submarine. "'Myra has charge of—' "'Coffee, Thomas?' said Myra. "'I bet he's having us on,' said Thomas, gloomily, as he stirred his coffee. "'There was a hurricane in the hall. "'Chairs were swept over. "'Coats and hats fell to the ground.' A high voice offered continuous apologies, and Simpson came in. 
"'Hello, Myra,' he said eagerly. "'Hello, old chap. Hello, Dahlia. Hello, Archie. Hello, Thomas, old boy.' He fixed his spectacles firmly on his nose and beamed round the room. "'We're all here. Thanking you very much for inviting us,' I said. "'Have a cigar, if you've brought any with you.' Fortunately, he had brought several with him. "'Now, then, I'll give any of you three guesses what it's all about.' "'No, you don't. We're all waiting, and you can begin your apology right away.' Simpson took a deep breath and began. "'I've been lent a villa,' he said. There was a moment's silence, and then Archie got up. "'Good-bye,' he said to Myra, holding out his hand. "'Thanks for a very jolly evening.' "'Come along, Dahlia.' "'But I say, old chap,' protested Simpson. "'I'm sorry, Simpson, but the fact that you're moving from the temple to the Cricklewood, or wherever it is, and that somebody else is paying the thirty pounds a year, is jolly interesting, but it wasn't good enough to drag us up from the country to tell us about it. You could have written. However, thank you for the cigar. My dear fellow, it isn't Cricklewood.' "'It's the Riviera!' Archie sat down again. "'Samuel!' cried Myra. "'How she must love you!' "'I should never lend Simpson a villa of mine,' I said. "'He'd only lose it.' "'There's some very old friends who live there, "'and they're going away for a month, "'and the servants are staying on, "'and they suggested that if I was going abroad again this year,' "'How did the servants know you'd been abroad last year?' asked Archie. "'Don't interrupt, dear,' said Dahlia. "'I see what he means. How very jolly for you, Samuel.' "'For all of us, Dahlia.' "'You aren't suggesting we shall all crowd in,' growled Thomas. "'Of course, my dear old chap. I told them, and they're delighted.' "'We can share housekeeping expenses, and it will be as cheap as anything.' "'But to go into a stranger's house,' said Dahlia anxiously. "'It's my house, Dahlia, for the time. I invite you.' He threw out his hands in a large gesture of welcome, and knocked his coffee-cup onto the carpet, begged Myra's pardon several times, and then sat down again and wiped his spectacles vigorously. Archie looked doubtfully at Thomas. "'Duty, Thomas, duty,' he said, thumping his chest. "'You can't desert the Navy at this moment of crisis.' "'Might,' said Thomas, puffing at his pipe. Archie looked at me. I looked hopefully at Myra. "'Ooh,' said Myra, entranced. Archie looked at Dahlia. Dahlia frowned. "'It isn't till February,' said Simpson eagerly. "'It's very kind of you, Samuel,' said Dahlia. "'But I don't think—' Archie nodded to Simpson. "'You leave this to me,' he said confidentially. "'We're going.' Two, On the way. Toulon announced Archie, as the train came to a stop and gave out its plaintive, dying whistle. Naval port of our dear allies, the French. This would interest Thomas. If he weren't asleep, I said. He'll be here directly, said Simpson, from the little table, for two, on the other side of the gangway. I'm afraid he had a bad night. Here, uh, garçon, er, uh... Donner-moi du café et er... But the waiter had slipped past him again, the fifth time. Have some of ours, said Myra kindly, holding out the pot. Thanks very much, Myra, but I may as well wait for Thomas. And garçon du café pour... I don't think that he'll be... Der café garçon s'il vous. It's going to be a lovely day. Thomas came in quietly and sat down opposite Simpson and ordered breakfast. Samuel wants some too, said Myra. Thomas looked surprised, grunted, 
and ordered another breakfast. "'You see how easy it is,' said Archie. "'Thomas, we're at Toulon, where the Entente Cordiale came from. "'You ought to have been up long ago, taking notes for the Admiralty.' "'I had a rotten night,' said Thomas. "'Simpson fell out of bed in the middle of it. "'Oh, poor Samuel!' "'You don't mean to say you gave him the top berth?' I asked, in surprise. "'You must have known he'd fall out.' "'But, Thomas, dear, surely Samuel's just falling out of bed noise wouldn't wake you up,' said Myra. "'I always thought you slept so well.' "'He tried to get into my bed.' "'I was a little dazed,' exclaimed Simpson hastily, "'and I hadn't got my spectacles.' "'Still, you ought to have been able to see Thomas there.' "'Of course I did see him as soon as I got in, "'and then I remembered I was up above, so I climbed up.' "'It must be rather difficult climbing up at night,' thought Dahlia. "'Not if you get a good take-off, Dahlia,' said Simpson earnestly. "'Simpson got a good one off my face,' exclaimed Thomas.' "'My dear old chap, I was frightfully sorry. "'I did come down at once and tell you how sorry I was, didn't I?' "'You stepped back onto it,' said Thomas shortly, "'and he turned his attention to the coffee. "'Our table had finished breakfast. "'Dahlia and Myra got up slowly, "'and Archie and I filled our pipes and followed them out.' "'Well, we'll leave you to it,' said Archie, to the other table. "'Personally, I think it's Thomas's turn to step on Simpson. "'But don't be long, because there's a good view coming.' "'The good view came, and then another, and then another, "'and they merged together and became one long, moving panorama of beauty. "'We stood in the corridor and drank it in, "'and at intervals we said, oh and oh i say and oh i say really and there was one particular spot i wish i could remember where so that it might be marked by a suitable tablet at the sight of which simpson was overheard to say mon dieu for probably the first time in his life you know all these are olive trees you chaps he said every five minutes "'I wonder if there are any olives growing on them.' "'Too early,' said Archie. "'It's the sardine season now. "'It was at Cannes that we saw the first oranges.' "'That does it,' I said to Myra. "'We're really here. "'And look, there's a lemon tree.' "'Give me the oranges and lemons, "'and you can have all the palms and the cactuses and the olives.' "'Like polar bears in the Arctic regions,' said Myra. "'I thought, for a moment, superficially, "'there is very little resemblance between an orange and a polar bear. "'Like polar bears,' I said, hopefully. "'I mean,' luckily she went on, "'polar bears do it for you in the polar regions. "'You really know you're there, then.' "'Give me the polar bears, I always say, "'and you can keep the seals and the walruses and the penguins.' "'Right. I knew you meant something. "'In London,' I went on, "'it is raining. "'Looking out of my window, I see a lamp-post, "'not in flower, beneath a low grey sky. "'Here we see oranges against a blue sky a million miles deep. What a blend. Myra, let's go to a fancy dress ball when we get back. You go as an orange, and I'll go as a very blue, blue sky, and you shall lean against me. And we'll dance the tangerine, said Myra. But now observe us approaching Monte Carlo. For an hour past, Simpson has been collecting his belongings. Two bags? two coats, a camera, a rug, Thomas, golf clubs, books, his compartment is full of things which have to be kept under his eye, lest they should evade him at the last moment, 
as the train leaves monaco his excitement is intense i think old chap he says to thomas i'll wear the coats after all and the bags says thomas and then you'll have a suit simpson puts on the two coats and appears very big and hot i'd better have my hands free he says and straps the camera and the golf clubs on to himself then if you nip out and get a porter i can hand the bags out to him through the window all right says thomas he is deep in his book and looks as if he were settled in his corner of the carriage for the day the train stops there is bustle noise confusion thomas in some magical way has disappeared a porter appears at the open window and speaks voluble french to simpson simpson looks round wildly for thomas thomas he cries un moment he says to the porter thomas mon ami il n'est pas i say thomas old chap where are you attendez un moment mon ami er reviendra he is very hot he is wearing in addition to what one doesn't mention an ordinary waistcoat a woolly waistcoat for steamer use a tweed coat an aquascutum an ulster a camera and a bag of golf clubs the porter with many gesticulations is still hurling french at him it is too much for simpson he puts his head out of the window and observing in the distance a figure of such immense dignity that it can only belong to station-master utters to him across the hurly-burly a wild call for help ooh a cook's um he cries three settling down the villa was high up on the hill having as simpson was to point out several times later Monton on its left hand and monte carlo on its right a long winding path led up through its garden of olives to the front door and through the mimosa trees which flanked this door we could see already a flutter of white aprons the staff was on the loggia awaiting to greet us we halted a moment out of sight of the ladies above and considered ourselves it came to us with a sudden shock that we were a very large party i suppose said archie to simpson they do expect all of us and not only you we are only six said myra because i've just counted again but we seem about twenty it's quite all right said simpson cheerfully i said we'd be six but six in a letter is much smaller than six of us like this and when they see our luggage let's go back i suggested suddenly nervous to be five guests of the guest of a man you have never met is delicate work at this critical moment archie assumed command he is a captain in the yeomanry and has tackled bigger jobs than this in his time we must get ourselves into proper order he said simpson the villa has been lent to you you must go first dahlia and i come next when we arrive you will introduce us as your friends mr and mrs mannering then turning to myra you say mr mannering's sister and this you add is her husband then er thomas it will be difficult to account for thomas i said thomas comes at the end he hangs back a little at first and then if he sees that there is going to be any awkwardness about him he can't pretend he's come on the wrong night and apologize and go home again if thomas goes i go said myra dramatically i have another idea i said thomas hides here for a bit we introduce ourselves and settle in and have lunch 
and after lunch we take a stroll in the garden and to our great surprise discover thomas thomas we say you here dear old chap we thought you were in england how splendid where are you staying oh but you must stop with us we can easily have a bed put up for you in the garage and then not after lunch said thomas before lunch don't all be so silly smiled dahlia they'll wonder what has happened to us if we wait any longer besides the men will be here with the luggage directly come along samuel said archie forward in our new formation we marched up simpson excited and rehearsing to himself the words of introduction we others outwardly calm at a range of ten yards he opened fire how do you do he beamed here we all are isn't it a lovely the cook housekeeper came forward with outstretched hand and welcomed him volubly in french the other three ladies added their french to hers there was only one english body on the loggia it belonged to a bulldog the bulldog barked loudly at simpson in english there was no cook's um to save simpson this time but he rose to the occasion nobly the scent of the mimosa inspired him merci he said merci oui n'est-ce pas delightful er these are say son mes amis er dahlia come along er monsieur a madame mannering er myra la soeur de monsieur er where are you old chap le mari de la soeur de monsieur er thomas er he was carried away by memories of his schoolboy french le frere du jardinier et he wheeled around and saw me introduced me again introduced myra as my wife archie as her brother and dahlia as archie's wife and then with a sudden inspiration presented thomas grandly as le beau-père du petit fille de mes amis monsieur et madame mannering thomas seemed more assured of his place as peter's godfather than as the brother of the gardener there were four ladies we shook hands with all of them it took us a long time and i doubt if we got it all in even so for twice i found myself shaking hands with simpson but these may have been additional ones thrown in it was over at last and we followed the staff indoors then we had another surprise it was broken to us by dahlia who at simpson's urgent request took up the position of lady of the house and forthwith received the flowing confidences of the housekeeper two of us have to sleep outside she said where we all asked blankly we were on to the loggia again and she pointed to a little house almost hidden by olive trees in a corner of the garden below us oh well that's all right said archie it's on the estate thomas you and simpson won't mind that a bit will you we can't turn samuel out of his own house said myra indignantly we aren't turning him he wants to go but of course if you and your young man would like to live there instead myra looked at me eagerly it would be rather fun she said we'd have another little honeymoon all to ourselves it wouldn't really be a honeymoon i objected we should always be knocking up against trippers in the garden archies and samuels and thomases and what not they'd be all over the place dahlia explained the domestic arrangements 
the honeymooners had their little breakfast in their own little house and then joined the others for the day at about ten or eleven said thomas it would be rather lovely said myra thoughtfully yes i agreed but have you considered that come over this way a moment where thomas and simpson can't hear while i tell you some of the disadvantages i led her into a quiet corner and suggested a few things to her which i hoped would not occur to the other two item that if it was raining hard at night it would be beastly item that if you suddenly found you'd left your pipe behind it would be rotten item that if as was probable there wasn't a proper bathroom in the little house it would be sickening item that if she had to walk on muddy paths in her evening shoes it would be at this point myra suddenly caught the thread of the argument we went back to the others we think said myra it would be perfectly heavenly but she hesitated but at the same time i said we think it's up to simpson and thomas to be english gentlemen samuel it's your honour there was a moment's silence come along said thomas to simpson let's go and look at it after lunch clean and well fed and happy we lay in deck-chairs on the loggia and looked lazily down at the mediterranean thank you samuel for bringing us said dahlia gently your friends must be very fond of you to have lent you this lovely place not fonder than we are said myra smiling at him four before lunch i found myra in the hammock at the end of the loggia hello i said hello she looked up from her book and waved her hand montan on the left monte carlo on the right she said and returned to her book again simpson had mentioned the situation so many times that it had become a catch-phrase with us fancy reading on a lovely morning like this i complained but that's why it's a very gloomy play by ibsen and whenever it's simply more than i can bear i look up and see montan on the left monte carlo on the right i mean i see all the loveliness round me and then i know the world isn't so bad after all she put her book down are you alone i gripped her wrist suddenly and put the paper knife to her throat we are alone i hissed or whatever you do to a sentence without any s's in it to make it dramatic your friends cannot save you now prepare to er come a walk up the hill with me help help whispered myra she hesitated a moment then swung herself out of the hammock and went in for her hat we climbed up a steep path which led to the rock village above us simpson had told us that we must see the village still more earnestly he had begged us to see corsica the view of corsica was to be obtained from a point some miles up too far to go before lunch however we can always say we saw it i reassured myra from this distance you can't be certain of recognizing an island you don't know any small cloud on the horizon will do i know it on the map yes but it looks quite different in real life the great thing is to be able to assure simpson at lunch that the corsican question is now closed when we're a little higher up i shall say surely that's corsica and you'll say not corsica as though you thought you'd rather expected the isle of wight and then it'll be all over hello we had just passed through the narrow archway leading into the courtyard of the village and were following the path up the hill but in that moment of passing we had been observed 
Behind us a dozen village children now trailed eagerly. "'Oh, the dears!' cried Myra. "'But I think we made a mistake to bring them,' I said severely. "'No one is fonder of our one, two, three, I make it eleven, our eleven children, than I am, but there are times when father and mother want to be alone.' "'I'm sorry, dear. I thought you'd be so proud to have them all with you.' "'I am proud of them. To reflect that all the one, two, I make it thirteen, all these thirteen are ours, is very inspiring. But I don't like people to think that we cannot afford our youngest, our little Philomene, shoes and stockings.' and giuseppe should have washed his face since last friday these are small matters but they are very trying to a father have you any coppers asked myra suddenly you forgot their pocket money last week one two three i cannot possibly afford one two three four myra i do wish you'd count them definitively and let me know how many we have one likes to know i cannot afford pocket money for more than a dozen ten she took a franc from me and gave it to the biggest girl and marie our first and getting on so nicely with her french rapidly she explained what was to be done with it and marie's look of intense rapture slowly straightening itself to one of ordinary gratitude as the financial standing of the other nine in the business became clear then we waved farewell to our family and went on high above the village a thousand feet above the sea we rested and looked down upon the silvery olives stretching into the blue and more particularly upon one red roof which stood up amid the grey-green trees that's the cardew's villa i said myra was silent when myra married me she promised to love honour and write all my thank-you-very-much letters for me for we agreed before the ceremony that the word obey should mean nothing more than that there are two sorts of t-y-v-m letters the thank you very much for asking us we shall be delighted to come and the thank you very much for having us we enjoyed it immensely with these off my mind i could really concentrate on my work or my short mashie shots or whatever was of importance but there was now a new kind of letter to write and one rather outside the terms of our original understanding a friend of mine had told his friends the cardews that we were going out to the riviera and would let them know when we arrived and we had arrived a week ago it isn't at all an easy letter to write said myra it's practically asking a stranger for hospitality let us say indicating our readiness to accept it it sounds better myra smiled slowly to herself dear mrs cardew she said we are ready for lunch when you are yours sincerely well that's the idea and then what about the others if the cardews are going to be nice we don't want to leave dahlia and all of them out i thought it over carefully for a little what you want to do i said at last is to write a really long letter to mrs cardew acquainting her with all the facts keeping nothing back from her i should begin by dwelling on the personnel of our little company my husband and i you should say are not alone we have also with us mr and mrs archibald mannering a delightful couple mr a mannering is something in the territorials when he is not looking after his estate his wife is a great favourite in the county next i have to introduce you to mr thomas todd an agreeable young bachelor mr thomas todd 
is in the sucking a ruler and looking out of the window department at the admiralty by whose exertions so long as we preserve the two tods to one formula or excluding canadian tods sixteen to ten britannia rules the waves lastly there is mr samuel simpson short of sight but warm of heart mr s simpson is a littérateur of some eminence but little circulation combining on the cornet intense wind power with no execution and on the golf course an endless enthusiasm with only occasional contact this dear mrs cardew is our little party i say nothing of my husband go on smiled myra you still have to explain how we invite ourselves to lunch we don't we leave that to her all we do is give a list of the meals in which in the ordinary course we are wont to indulge together with a few notes on our relative capacities at each perhaps you wind up it is at luncheon-time that as a party we show to the best advantage some day my dear mrs cardew we must all meet at lunch you will then see that i have exaggerated neither my husband's appetite nor the light conversation of my brother nor the power of apology should any little contretemps occur of mr samuel simpson let us i say meet at lunch let us i took out my watch suddenly come on i said getting up and giving a hand to myra we shall only be just in time for it five the gamesters it's about time said simpson one evening that we went to the tables and er he adjusted his spectacles had a little flutter we all looked at him in silent admiration oh samuel sighed myra and i promised your aunt that you shouldn't gamble while you were away but my dear myra it's the first thing the fellows at the club ask you when you've been to the riviera if you've had any luck well you've had a lot of luck said archie several times when you've been standing on the heights and calling attention to the beautiful view below i've said to myself one push and he's a debtor but something some mysterious agency within has kept me back all the fellows at the club simpson is popularly supposed to belong to a fleet street toilet and hairdressing club where for three guineas a year he gets shaved every day and has his hair cut whenever myra insists on the many occasions when he authorizes a startling story of some well-known statesman with the words my dear old chap i know it for a fact i heard it at the club to-day from a friend of his then we know that once again the barber's assistant has been gossiping over the lather do think samuel i interrupted how much more splendid if you could be the only man who had seen monte carlo without going inside the rooms and then when the hairdresser when your friends at the club ask if you've had any luck at the tables you just say coldly what tables preferably in latin said archie cue mense but it was obviously no good arguing with him besides we were all keen enough to go we needn't lose said myra we might win good idea said thomas he lit his pipe and added simpson was telling me about his system last night at least he was just beginning when i went to sleep he applied another match to his pipe and went on as if the idea had suddenly struck him perhaps it was only his internal system he meant i didn't wait samuel you are quite well inside aren't you quite myra but i have invented a sort of system for roulette which we might 
there's only one system which is any good pronounced archie it's the system by which when you've lost all your own money you turn to the man next to you and say lend me a louis dear old chap till christmas i've forgotten my purse no systems said dahlia let's make a collection and put it all on one number and hope it will win dahlia had obviously been reading novels about people who break the bank it's as good a way of losing as any other said archie let's do it for our first gamble anyway simpson as our host shall put the money on i as his oldest friend shall watch him to see that he does it what's the number to be we all thought hard for several moments samuel what's your age asked myra at last right off the board said thomas you're not really more than thirty-six myra whispered to him tell me as a secret peter's nearly two said dahlia do you think you could nearly put our money on two asked archie i once made seventeen i said on that never-to-be-forgotten day when i went in first with archie that settles it here's to the highest score of the rabbit's wicket-keeper to-morrow afternoon we put our money on seventeen simpson you have between now and three-thirty to-morrow to perfect your french delivery of the magic word deset i went to bed a proud but anxious man that night it was my famous score which had decided the figure that was to bring us fortune and yet and yet suppose eighteen turned up the remorse the bitterness if only i should tell myself if only we had run three instead of two for that cut to the square leg suppose it were sixteen why oh why i should groan did i make the scorer put that by down as a hit suppose it were thirty-four but there my responsibility ended if it were going to be thirty-four they should have used one of archie's scores and made a good job of it at three-thirty next day we were in the fatal building i should like to pause here and describe my costume to you which was a quiet grey in the best of taste but myra says that if i do this i must describe hers too a feat beyond me sufficient that she looked dazzling that as a party we were remarkably well dressed and that simpson murmuring desets to himself at intervals led the way through the rooms till he found a table to his liking aren't you excited whispered myra to me frightfully i said and left my mouth well open i don't quite know what picture of this event myra and i had conjured up in our minds but i fancy it was one something like this at the entrance into the rooms of such a large and obviously distinguished party there would be a slight sensation among the crowd and way would be made for us at the most important table it would then leak out that chevalier simpson the tall poetical-looking gentleman in the middle my dear had brought with him no less a sum than thirty francs with which to break the bank and that he proposed to do this in one daring coup at this news the players at the other tables would hastily leave their winnings or losings and crowd round us chevalier simpson pale but controlled would then place his money on seventeen deset he would say to the croupier to make it quite clear and the ball would be spun as it slowed down the tension in the crowd would increase mon dieu a woman would cry in a shrill voice there would be guttural exclamations from germans at the edge of the crowd strong men would swoon at last a sudden shriek and the croupier's voice 
trembling for the first time for thirty years, descent. Then gold and notes would be pushed at the chevalier. He would stuff his pockets with them. He would fill his hat with them. We others, we would stuff our pockets too. The bank would send out for more money. There would be loud cheers from all the company, with the exception of one man, who had put five francs on sixteen and had shot himself. And we should be carried, that is to say, we four men, shoulder-high to the door, while, by the deserted table, Myra and Dahlia clung to each other, weeping tears of happiness. Something like that. What happened was different. As far as I could follow, it was this. Over the heads of an enormous, badly dressed, and utterly indifferent crowd, Simpson handed his thirty francs to the croupier. Deset, he said. The croupier, with his rake, pushed the money on to seventeen. Another croupier, with his rake, pulled it off again and stuck to it. The day's fun was over. "'What did win?' asked Myra some minutes later, when the fact that we should never see our money again had been brought home to her. Zero, said Archie. I sighed heavily. "'My usual score,' I said. "'Not my highest.' Peter's previous letter, dictated to his nurse secretary, had, according to Archie, been full of good things. Cross-examination of the proud father, however, had failed to reveal anything more stirring than I love mummy, and er, so on. We were sitting in the loggia after what I don't call breakfast, all of us except Simpson, who was busy with a mysterious package. We had not many days left, and I was beginning to feel that, personally, I should not be sorry to see things like porridge again, each to his taste. "'The time has passed absurdly quickly,' said Myra. "'We don't seem to have done anything except enjoy ourselves. I mean anything specially Riviera-ish, but it's been heavenly.' "'We've done lots of Riviera-ish things,' I protested. "'If you'll be quiet a moment, I will tell you some.' These were some of the things. One, we had been to the Riviera. Nothing could take away from that. We had the labels on our luggage. Two, we had lost heavily, thirty francs, at the tables. This alone justified the journey. Three, Myra had sat next to a prince at lunch. Of course, she might have done this in London, but so far there has been no great rush of princes to our little flat, dukes, mares, companions of St. Michael and St. George, certainly, but somehow not princes. 4. Simpson had done the short third hole at Montargel in three his first had cleverly dislodged the ball from the piled-up tee. His second, a sudden nick, had set it rolling down the hill to the green, and the third, an accidental putt, had sunk it. Five. Myra and I had seen Corsica. Question. Six. And finally, and best of all, we had sat in the sun under a blue sky above a blue sea, and watched the oranges and lemons grow. So, though we had been to but a few of the famous beauty spots around, we had had a delightfully lazy time, and as proof that we had not really been at Brighton, there were, as I have said, the luggage labels. But we were to be able to show further proof. At this moment, Simpson came out of the house, his face beaming with excitement, his hands carefully concealing something behind his back. "'Guess what I've got,' he said eagerly. "'The sack,' said Thomas. "'Your new bests,' said Archie. 
something that will interest us all helped simpson i withdraw my suggestion said archie something we ought to have brought with us all along more money said myra the tension was extreme it was obvious that our consuming anxiety would have to be relieved very speedily to avoid a riot thomas went behind simpson's back and took his surprise away from him a camera he said good idea simpson was all over himself with bonhomie i suddenly thought of it the other night he said smiling round at all of us in his happiness and i was just going to wake thomas up to tell him when i thought i'd keep it a secret so i wrote to a friend of mine and asked him to send me one and some films and things just as a surprise for you samuel you are a dear said myra looking at him lovingly you see i thought myra that you'd like to have some records of the place because they're so jolly to look back on and er i'm not quite sure how you work it but i expect some of you know and er come on said myra i'll show you she retired with simpson to a secluded part of the loggia and helped him put the films in nothing can save us said archie we are going to be taken together in a group simpson will send it to one of the picture papers and we shall appear as another merry little party of well-known sun-seekers names from left to right blank 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 mr archibald mannering blank blank i'd better go and brush my hair simpson returned to us nervous and fully charged with advice right myra i see that'll be all right oh look here do you oh yes i see right now then wait a bit oh yes i've got it now then what shall we have first a group take the house and the garden and the village said thomas you'll see plenty of us afterwards the first one is bound to be a failure i pointed out rather let him fail at us who are known to be beautiful than at the garden which has its reputation yet to make afterwards when he has got the knack he will be able to do justice to the scenery archie joined us again followed by the bulldog we grouped ourselves picturesquely that looks ripping said simpson oh look here myra do you no don't come you'll spoil the picture i suppose you have to oh it's all right i think i've got it i shan't try to look handsome this time said archie it's not worth it i shall just put an ordinary blurred expression on now are you ready don't move quite still please quite it's instantaneous you know said myra gently this so unnerved simpson that he let the thing off without any further warning before we had time to get our expressions natural that was all right myra wasn't it he said proudly i'm i'm afraid you had your hand over the lens samuel dear our new photographic series palms of the great number one mr s simpson's murmured archie it wouldn't have been a very good one anyhow i said encouragingly it wasn't typical dahlia should have had an orange in her hand and myra might have been resting her cheek against a cactus and try it again simpson and get a little more colour into it he tried again and got a lot more colour into it strictly speaking said myra sadly you ought to have got it onto a new film simpson looked in horror at the back of his camera found that he had forgotten to turn the handle apologized profusely and wound up very gingerly till the number two approached now then he said looking up and found himself alone 
as I write this in London, I have Simpson's album in front of me. Should you ever do us the honour of dining with us, as I hope you will, and, which seems impossible, should there ever come a moment when the conversation runs low and you are revolving in your mind whether it is worth while asking us if we have been to any theatres lately, then I shall produce the album, and you will be left in no doubt that we are just back from the Riviera. You will see oranges and lemons and olives and cactuses and palms, blue sky, if you have enough imagination, and still bluer sea, picturesque villas, curious effects of rocks, distant backgrounds of mountain, and, on the last page, the clever, kindly face of Simpson. The whole affair will probably bore you to tears. But with Myra and me the case, of course, is different. We find these things, as Simpson said, very jolly to look back on. End of section 1